Woo! Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's a real podium. Let's go. Mercedes is back, baby. Cheers. Watch out, Max. Mercedes is back. They never left. They took a break. Less sadness. Less sadness. Cold ground on our lined up on the grid. It's lights out and away we go on this week's grid walk. episode of Gridwalk. That's less exciting than <laughs> Are we going to crash into Lewis Hamilton? Maybe. There was a really hysterical radio of like from Nico and saying how there was no safety car like they don't get safety cars anymore and I'm just like yeah cuz you guys haven't caused them. <laughs> like I'm like was that was That's even unfair. Joe? But yes. Okay. That was, yeah. I think we're going to get more safety cars uh, when we're not on street tracks, like as we enter real yeah. circuits. Yeah. But I know you weren't bringing that up for like a serious answer. No. You were just like wanting to take a stab at us. 100%. I love you. <laughs> well, it is episode 20 of Gridwalk today. We have... Honestly, the Spanish Grand Prix gave us a lot more to talk about than I thought there was going to be. I agree. Obviously, we are starting with Mercedes is back. We're going to lay out the full case to why they're back. Celebrate the little wins that we can right now. Woo! <laughs> then back, baby. The W14 <laughs> is black and they're fast. I'm going back. To the preseason delusion. Oh, call back to a past episode. <laughs> After we get out all of our Mercedes excitement, we're going to also bring back a segment we did in the preseason called Red Flag. And I'm going to figure out what Charles Leclerc's tipping point is by putting Nicole in his shoes of whether or not he will leave Ferrari. What will it take? Because this weekend was another rough one. Nicole has a gossip grid because it seems like every soccer, international soccer player, football player, was at the Spanish GP this weekend. Again, I've spent too long talking about the things later in the episode. We have to get into Mercedes is back! Mercedes is back! So first disclaimer of that lovely celebration. We are over the age of 21 and please celebrate responsibly. So that is the first disclaimer. Now, we love Mercedes. It was a wonderful weekend for Mercedes and obviously we are thriving in a P2, P3 finish. It was just wonderful. But how realistic can this hope really be? Can it continue? Are the Is there data there? Is there numbers there for us to hold on to? Please. Hey, yes. Yes. Yay, great. Okay, next. No. I think it depends. Um, like I'll I'll lay the case. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out the case. I'm gonna give you the both both sides of this, of what I'm actually seeing. But I think I think it's all about where where the expectations are. So like I 
thought it was worth celebrating the way we did because Lewis said he had fun driving the car this weekend. <laughs> like, beyond the P2, the, the vibes are happier. The Christian Horner is now hornering again. Like the amount of quotes. Um, we're recording this Tuesday evening after the race weekend. Between the end of the race and now, there's like three different quotes about Horner, like cautioning Mercedes and and like, like there's lots, they're just talking a lot about Mercedes again, which is always a good barometer to me for whether Red Bull feels a little threatened. So always want to be part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. Like Horner thought George Russell was like a really bad driver this weekend. And he's warning Toto about that cost cap and bringing big upgrades and what that means. Uh, so all the intangibles. Great. Let's go look at the tangibles. Uh, first thing is Quali. Want to start at Quali? Sure. All right. Lewis was P5, but I ran all of the top drivers' best Quali times. So what I did is I took their best sector times, and then I added that up to make what would have been their optimum best lap possible. And that put Lewis clear in P2. So that's like when you probably heard a lot over the weekend of people saying like, oh, if Lewis just put that final lap together, Mercedes would have been in P2. Now, of course, the driver has to put the lap together and he didn't. But if we are just trying to distill this down to like pure pace of the car in quality trim, I think looking at all the driver's best laps compared to each other is a good barometer of what that is. So that's, you know, notch on the pro side. We Yeah, I, I, I hear that as full optimism, full possibilities. And Lewis pulled out the P2 when it really mattered. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, now, the, the con of the quality time is that the optimum Lewis lap was still four and a half tenths behind the optimum max lap. And he actually abandoned his fastest lap at the end because he just got over the radio that he already had pole. So he just was like, okay. So we have I his don't... best sector one, best sector two, and then what would have probably been his second best sector three. Right. right. For this optimum lap. Um, but if you told me, so, that, so that's the con. The con is there's still this big gap to Red Bull, uh, but we knew that. But that's for everyone. That's not just a Mercedes issue. That's an everyone issue. And if you told me coming into it that if I was looking at optimum quality lap time and that Lewis would only be four and a half tenths behind Max and the Red Bull, I would have been like, I'll take it. So it, it does all get back to, you're going to hear me say this through this whole segment, like, what are your expectations for right now at this point in the season? And my personal expectations and hopes and dreams for this upgrade was become clearly the second fastest team, get closer. That's it. Get closer. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's going to be late in the season before anyone would have even, even has the potential to close that gap. Yeah. And we're only starting to see the beginnings or like what, some of the B-spec cars can actually do. And I mean, Red Bull is so ahead in development that, you know, if I have to pick, 
if the conversation is Red Bull and someone, my best bet or my best pick would be that it would be Mercedes. And then I'm like, okay, because obviously if Red Bull's all the way over here and that's like, no one's going to reach them right, right now, not never right now, I want then that next in line, that to be Mercedes. Right. And that's, that's how I'm, that's why that was worthy of the celebration of the great weekend we had. Uh, some other like interesting, like I'll swing back qualifying positive that even when you're comparing this optimum lap times, the Mercedes is still a tenth and a half faster than Carlos's optimum lap time and a uh, like three tenths faster than Alonso's broken floor lap time. I really do think that's the asterisk in the entire weekend is Alonso's broken car. But as of Monday morning and or Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning, as of Tuesday morning, post-race weekend, the quotes coming out of the Aston camp is that they were really shocked at the pace of the Mercedes and that they didn't yeah. expect even, and they like were qualifying it. We're like, yeah, Alonso had the broken floor, but they, they clearly felt like they still should have been able to stay in front. Yeah. If they didn't anticipate the development and progress that Mercedes had made, and I don't know if they just, Again, because Monaco was not like the greatest tell of like what the new upgrades could have done and just how ahead Aston has been that, you know, the little bit of floor damage or anything, it was, I feel like, you know, justified or understanding as to why they expected that. But currently in all of my attire, I say, ha ha, you were wrong. <laughs> I I will also, I'll point out something that, that makes me sad as a Lance Stroll fan. But um, an interesting thing in the data is there is a lot being made about Alonso's floor damage, but I think the big thing that the floor damage did for his qualifying times was make the car unpredictable for him because his fastest optimum lap when I put optimum lap by a tenth and a half. So Lance was able to just put together the quality lap and Alonso couldn't, but theoretically, even with the broken floor, Alonso should have qualified higher than Lance. Um, I just, I've seen a lot about like, oh, well, it's not Alonso's fault because he had a damaged floor. And I'm just going to throw out here, who, who damaged the floor? No, there was a lot of, I don't know any other word besides like, peace in Alonzo's voice on the radio that felt like mysterious like I don't know mysterious like he wasn't gonna fight Lance he wasn't gonna battle and even in like the last lap like he's just waving to all of the fans and like in his home race and like could have tried to race his teammate but like was flat out like I'm not going to so I don't know if it was just like he got to a point where he accepted that this was currently no. happening or just like i it was so not he couldn't do it alonzo right what is going to make alonzo look worse trying to pass lance and being unable to or saying oh you know what i'm just gonna let lance i'm not gonna challenge lance at all don't worry and i'm not even saying like like i'm i'm saying it's because of the floor like i i know alonzo would beat lance but like nothing everything alonzo does is to make alonzo look better <laughs> like it's yes, just yeah. Yeah, and it just, like, there was so much conversation, and I don't mean to go off on this tangent, we'll get back to the Mercedes, Mercedes. race, yes, um, but 
like there was so much like oh good guy alonzo all he did was make lance look bad like there's nothing good guy alonzo about what he was doing there like he was doing a favor it's like oh tell him not to worry i'm just trying to close the gap in case it rains and that it was like very off-brand all of the commentators were like, wow, that's so nice of Alonzo being nice to his teammate. Oh, it's because his teammate's dad owns the... Like, no, he made Lance look awful. So, like, yeah. that's not... Like, if that's nice guy Alonzo is making his teammate look like a chump, like, <laughs> I don't... like, come on, guys, we got to rework our expectations. <laughs> but getting back to positive Mercedes land, let's move on to the race. Because I think this era Mercedes has a very... Unique trend where Friday everyone's frustrated. Well, and I think part of that, they were the least frustrated this Friday they've been in a while because they actually know how to set up this car instantly. Haven't been able to set up the previous concept for a year and a half with this car. Instantly. Got it. Thank they you, have Marco, a, I guess. Right. Then they have a mediocre to okay quality, and then it comes alive on race day. This weekend was no exception to that. I'm going to look at two different data points. I'll talk about the first one at the beginning. So all of the front running cars that were not a Red Bull started on softs, which means that they're on the similar, same fuel load. They're all on those tires at the same time. We can average out their pace and compare them. Clarifying that Charles is not included in this. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. I was, yeah. It, we, I mean, we'll get into enough Charles later in the episode, but just as caveat of Charles wasn't part of this yeah. that data set this time. It's not representative. He's behind all the cars. And he was on hards and then switched yes. soft. Again, we don't... Ugh. Right. So I'm, on, I'm looking at Hamilton, Russell, Alonzo, Stroll, and Sainz. The five drivers towards the front who all started on softs. So I'm going to put this up on the screen on the YouTube video so you guys can visualize the numbers I'm about to give. But I've then compared all of their soft times to the t average pace that Max was doing on the mediums. Now, you should know that the mediums, if normally, at least this weekend, it, it, all of the same fuel adjusted would be about 0.7 to a second elapsed slower. Okay. <laughs> now, Lewis's pace on the softs compared to Max's mediums was only four tenths a lap down. No, yeah, yeah. So slower than Max on the mediums, but not but not, not that bad. Not. It's less than half a second. Less than a second. The second fastest was Carlos on the soft, and he was nearly six tenths a lap slower than Max on his mediums. So he was two tenths slower than Lewis. Then there was Russell, and he was seven tenths slower. And then you get the Alpines, where Stroll is a full second a lap slower on his softs than Max is on his mediums. And then Alonso is 1.1 seconds a lap slower. And so by Alpine, she means Aston Martin. Wow. Okay, I'm going to put the champagne down. <laughs> I had like four sips. Like that has nothing to do with that. Um, it's just been a long day. Um, what do all these numbers I'm saying mean? What it means is that the Mercedes 
was the Mercedes in Lewis's hands was the fastest car on track not named Max Verstappen for the first stint of the race. Positive, positive things. Right, right. And if we're going on this scale of we just want to get closer to Red Bull, this is a positive sign. Uh, why, besides the upgrades, is a normal next question. Um, I do think that Barcelona is just a track that favors the Mercedes car. It was also hot. Um, you looked like you were about to hit a button. That's why I paused. <laughs> no, I just, my brain was like, I don't want to hear things that, you know, I mean, because next race being Canada, mm -hmm. I just feel like it's usually not necessarily hot and potentially wet. <laughs> yes. Canada in June feels like a, oh, could be either. Uh, yeah. The Mercedes car has really struggled with tire warm-up. And whenever there's a race that's rough on the tires, which is like a Barcelona or a Silverstone, or it's very hot, the Mercedes is kind to its tires and much kinder than all the cars. And therefore, they get into the working window well, and then they don't degrade. And you could see that in like how quickly they pit the Ferraris. And then, but like Lewis and Russell went so much further on the softs than anyone thought they would in the race. Um, and their pace really took until lap like 22, 23 to really start to take a dive. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievably impressive. They were, yeah, they, they were not falling back dramatically to max, essentially. <laughs> now, part of that is that Red Bull was managing its pace and was like, yeah, sure, whatever, just keep, yep, done, moving on. Right. <laughs> so that's the the circuit specific nature of this could could be this could be a little bit of a mirage so that's the check in the negative uh, but my brain here's like but silverstone <laughs> like uh -huh, of uh -huh. course i i hear everything else that you're saying but of course my brain's like okay but silverstone so like so so great i'll just get through canada and I'll just be like waiting, but no, I, I believe that there could still potentially be hope, but my brain is now just like, okay, Silver, no matter what happens in Canada, just Silverstone can be better. I will end this with a check on the positive column, which is comparing Max Lewis and George's uh, average lap time on the final stint, which was the softs. And they were all on softs together. Lewis's average lap time was six tenths behind Max, and George's was eight. I'm rounding up a little bit. Less than a second! Which is less than a second, and was much better than everyone else on track at that time. So I'm giving all these numbers and all this context to say, I think Mercedes is back. Cheers to that. Cheers to Cheers. less sad weekends, the new W14, may I hate you less than the W13. The season starts now. We played a game in the preseason called Red Flags, where, Nicole, I asked you a series of questions, and I put you in the shoes of Charlotte Claire, and you had to determine if that event, this theoretical event, would push you, Charlotte Claire, over the edge and leave Ferrari. And you had to determine what would it take. And I think the 2023 season 
was far worse than the things I outlined for the 2023 season. And we're what, seven races in? Which is, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't feel great. Um, I kind of wrote off after quality, like after, like Saturday, I was like, you know what? It's just not, it's just not the time. It's just not the time for Ferrari. It's just <sighs> P19. And then was, I understand like, okay, now we're going to just make other upgrades or make some changes, start from the pit lane. It's just, it's, it's bad luck city. Monaco wasn't great. One race after another, there's always something else, either with him, with Ferrari. And then Puma did a better collaboration with Carlos than with Charles. So it stinks to be Charles right now. That was in my Charles' opinion. fault. Charles designed his race suit and like his collaboration thing. He was very proud of the white and the diamonds, and that was Charles' fault. <laughs> so and yeah. we know that Carlos doesn't design anything, and that he just told the designers, just do something cool. Like, yep. I'm not saying all of his sadness is externally caused. Okay, okay. I just wanted to clarify. That, yeah, yeah, so it's, um, it's a sad time for Charles. I don't fully remember all of the previous red flags that we went in during the preseason. I just remember feeling really sad for all of them. But that's how I feel every weekend for him. Yeah. And for some context, because I'm not going... So we're going to play this game again, essentially. And I've, you know, there might be some surprises in here. But... <laughs> and I said, how it works is all of these things I'm about to say stack on top of each other. Um, I And so if something happens, it happens. Nicole is either going to push this lap. So she's going to keep going. Just keep pushing on as a Ferrari driver. Or she's going to decide it's time to box, throw up that red flag, the race is over, Charles is out at Ferrari, I've been through too much. All right, box, box. <laughs> oh, I get nervous Thank every time we try to control Charles's fate. <laughs> well, so here are the things that in my previous version of this game that I said would have already happened in the 2023 season, and I think what's actually happened are worse. So I said that the Ferrari would top the timesheets at preseason testing, but by week two, it was clear that Red Bull was still the fastest team. Like, yes, Red Bull's still the fastest team, but I don't think Ferrari topped a single timesheet. Like, there was no delusions that the Ferrari was going to be good. No. Then I also said that Max would continue to talk to you in every cooldown room about how much backing he's getting from Red Bull as the number one driver. Charles isn't spending a lot of time in cooldown rooms for this yeah, you gotta, to happen. You gotta be in the cooldown room to hear Max complain about things in the cooldown room. Uh, and then I had a line about Ferrari's power unit, which has shockingly not been a headline of this season so far, but there's still there's still ways to go. We'll see. So we're gonna jump right into this. We're gonna go with the rest of the season here. And we're going to start with, we're nearing the end of the season. Let's say it's around CODA time. Red Bull has wrapped up the championship. And you have yet to podium again this season. Like, at all? Yeah, Charles hasn't been on the podium since Australia, I think, was his podium. 
it's October. I do think this would cause like a lot of emotional distress. Uh-huh. But I'm not boxing just yet. But honestly, I do feel like if this was reality reality, I'd like hesitate, but no, I'm not. There's still that like Ferrari pride that's like on fire in him that he yep. wants to like do the thing. Push the slap. Still wearing the bracelet. Yeah. I think, to be fair, I think both him and Carlos have recalibrated on the season. So speaking about recalibration, my last thing for this season is, do you remember that in the preseason, they were very clear that their goal for this year was to compete for the championships again? How, how have we all forgotten that just seven races in? So it's Brazil, it's Abu Dhabi, it's the end of the season, and you're having to do so much press about how the plan was actually year two with Fred Vasseur all along. That was actually the target for competing in the championship. This, this was never, this year was always meant to go this way. Those, those oh, are the talking points he's given. This is going to happen. Uh-huh. Especially coming from him, because he's like, I have a long history with him, and this is, mm-hmm. you know, building a new foundation. Oh, my gosh. It's going to, I, I, Nicole Katz would want to box, but Charles push would the slap. push the slap. But that is so going to happen. So, essentially, you don't have Charles Leclerc leaving the Ferrari team going into the 2024 season. I he's going to be a Ferrari driver next year. Yes. Well, going into, unless you have, you're going to pull some preseason stuff. So like now is, okay. Yes. So like going into the next 2024 season, he's still with Ferrari. So he's still with Ferrari, driving out that contract. It's the beginning of the season and Ferrari is flirting with a different driver on the grid just a bit too publicly when you're supposed to be Mr. Ferrari. Do we... Is there like, like the driver changes my opinion or is it just like mm-hmm. general? It's just another driver. What driver would change your opinion? I don't know. Uh, there's also just everyone who's still going on about the discourse of like, oh, if Lewis went to Ferrari and I like don't have, I clearly right now do yeah. not have time for that discourse. So like I more just want to make sure that Let's that's say- not the like hysterics that we're currently. No. Let, let's make the driver Lando Norris. Ooh. Ferrari's publicly flirting, trying to see if they can get Lando Norris in the seat. Um, this is like a borderline. It's very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna push. Push the slap. Okay. Okay. Um. I don't, I, obviously we don't know the schedule for next season, but let's pretend for the sake of the 2024 season that Silverstone is the race before summer break, before the driver market really kicks off. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's Silverstone. Ferrari's having a better year. They're, they're a little more competitive. Definitely could still be in the conversation for the constructors in this big mm-hmm. theoretical mm-hmm. land. And for the first time, in a long time, Charles is in position to potentially win a race. But Ferrari doesn't call team orders. That would help that. Oh! And he hasn't, he still hasn't won a race. Like. No. 
right? I well, guess because that, like, I, there's no way, like something weird would have right. to happen this year. There's something super weird would have had to happen. Um, didn't call team orders. I will point out that in this theoretical land, that the it was just a chance to win the race. It wasn't a guarantee. But like, yeah, let's just pretend yeah. Max crashed how, or something. Or, yeah, Max crashed or like it's a conversation of P2, which is a different type of winning. Right. Oh, I'm stuck here. I'm really considering to box because this is just... Can I ask how many things are left? I know everything is stacking on top of each other. I'm just trying to determine... The chaos. I know you'll share. I hope I will share with you and the audience the ones I didn't read. Of course, yeah. um, there's going to be one more in 2024, and then in 2025, I have three. Okay, I'm getting really close, but let's see what happens after the late season. Okay, uh, a seat opens up at Red Bull dramatically. Christian Horner calls you. Sees if you want to be teammates with Max. I have to leave. I just want to be very clear. I don't think there's ever a chance that Christian Horner will put Charlotte Claire in a seat next no, to Max. I immediately had... The game is more fun this way. A zillion follow-up questions. Which now there's also... Did you, you see just how pick. quotes from this weekend about how they had to like pay Christian Horner like millions of more dollars this year to stop him from going to Ferrari after Mattia left. Oh, I mean, good. Like, right. as much as I hate Christian Horner, he's annoyingly good at his job. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I'm like, I can't believe that you even had to be upset about that. Anyway. I also don't uh, think Christian Horner would have ever left. I think he fun. just went, ooh, fun leverage. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh my uh, gosh. So what are you doing? Okay. So my brain is debating. You have to be teammates we, with Max. I know. That's my big hang up here is I like, there's a lot of drivers that I think would be okay with being second to Max. And I really don't think Charles would. Mm-hmm. And unless, yeah, unless like the dramatic fashion is that like Max left, I do not think this would make him. Push the slap. Yeah. I think. I think Charles and Lando are both in this really weird position right now. Just where, where would they go? Like, I think yeah. whenever Charles leaves Ferrari, I do think they're going to give Lando that seat because that's Ferrari's MO. But like, uh, that's my like long-term prediction that Lando will be a Ferrari driver at some point. I have him but, so aligned with the McLaren brand. It's like so hard to imagine him in like the red. It's like such a strong association of him and orange. So it's, like, really confusing my brain. No, I mean, but, like, this is what happens, like, Fernando. Yep. Like, you get the big Ferrari check, you yeah. go. Um, yeah. But, and so everyone keeps attaching these drivers to, like, when Lewis retires, that second Mercedes seat. But, like, do they really want to be on a team? I don't know. I'm tangenting. Like, it's like George Russell's being set up as the number one driver there. So I, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Um, all right. You're moving into the 2025 season. This would theoretically be the last year on his contract, I believe. Yeah. Um, on his current contract, if he doesn't leave early. <laughs> After a stunning 2023 and 2024 season, with still no plan to retire, Ferrari is publicly dis- discussing re-signing Fernando Alonso. 
You don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, they're starting the season with some early silly season gossip of, you know, like Honda is becoming the Aston Martin partner. Honda doesn't really want Fernando in that seat. Fernando needs a ride. He's had a great seasons. Yeah, come back to Ferrari. That's that's the chatter. So now my brain's trying to determine, like, if Charles would be like, oh, no, I got a dip. Or, like, he would be like, oh, no, that's for Carlos. Like, that's, like, I'm fine. It's going to be me and Fernando and then him. Like, I'm trying to, the man I don't know, be in his brain. And <laughs> this is a fun game. I really like being I'll on be- this side of this game. <laughs> I'm so stressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but it's the same question. Like, do you really want to be teammates with Fernando? I mean, no. I don't want to sit next to him on a plane. Um, but I... Oh, God. And there's also just the part of my brain that believes that, like, Charles is just going to end up being, like, thanks, bye, from Ferrari. Like, and right. I'm going to push because I think, and as my, and I would be screaming leave, but I don't think he would. Push the slap. Uh, I have two more here, but I yeah. do want to point out that in the preseason, I wrote about Fernando having a stunning 2023 and 2024 season. So apparently some part of me like really predicted what was going on this year, and I will this take credit for that. your fault. Right, apparently. Um, all right, second to last one in the 2025 season. You're At this point, he's in his lame duck season, determining whether or not to resign. He gets pulled at Monaco, which, you know, even though the car is a deficit, you can still do. Uh, but Ferrari forgot the fourth tire and messed up the pit stop. All right, box, box. No, I'm done. I can't. I can't. I cannot. I would hope that he would just walk home. I hope you pull a Senna. I hope you pull a Kimmy. I hope you'd end up on a yacht or just go home and call later. Oh my goodness. No, I can't. That's my breaking point. And it might really not be Charles, but I want it to be. So I'm calling it. I can't do that. Done. Walk away. The interesting thing is that's when you boxed the first time we did this. So even though the start of the 2020 season, 2023 season has been harder than we even predicted for Charles, you still, you, you fundamentally believe that he's going to hold on. And I agree with you. I think that Charles is going to hold on until the last possible drop of hope escapes his body. The game Um, is not when I think he should. It is when I think he will. And part of me thinks that he would still hold on in this, but I need to put an end to it because Mm -hmm. that is such Ferrari screw up that I would need to like turn off and like take a walk. I would not be able to handle that. But what's the, all right. So what was the, what could have been the actual final straw of 2025? Fred is fired right before the start of the new regulation set, and a new team principal is brought in to solve all the problems. Again. Oh, I definitely would have boxed if I ha- yeah. didn't box emotionally at Monaco. <laughs> that one is like, if you, that that has too much written on it of like, oh, Fred's gone. Like, oh, who's next? Yeah. Yeah, who's the next scapegoat? It's a bye-bye. I think whenever he does leave Ferrari, whether it's too late or whether it's soon or too late or like whatever the circumstance is, the quotes we're going to get from him. He's like, wow, things are so much easier on other teams. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. be wild. Not screwing up a pit stop, a tire strategy that makes like somewhat sense. The lack of internal politics and not that they don't exist in other teams, but Ferrari seems to be at a whole crazy level. 
screaming to the void. I just imagine all of their meetings is everyone standing around and just yelling. And I've explained this bit before and it's all Italian accents. And I literally, that is what I imagine. Every debrief, every meeting is everyone yelling and loud and Charles and Carlos just sitting there like, I just imagine the exact opposite, actually. I imagine everyone being too afraid to say that there's a problem. And then it's just Charles and Carlos in the room like, guys, what is going on? And they're like, what are you talking about? That went great. And you're, and they're just like looking at each other. Like, I guess everything's okay. <laughs> like, just being gaslit into everything being fine. And it's just incredible because it is, it's, I mean, it's Ferrari. And like everything about that, it should be like they should everything should be tied up and so put together. And it's so just not what my brain thinks of. And I love and hate them for it all at the same time. Well, let us know what prompt should be our next red flag. So I think we we've done this before for should Lando leave McLaren? We probably need to bring that one back as well. But if there's another big question looming over an F1 personality, let us know and we'll play red flag and see what Nicole would do. Will Alex Albon dye his hair another color? Who knows? Big question. Yes, tomorrow, please. Hey, podcast listeners. Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gossip Grid. I am so happy to be back with more of a voice and more of my immune system. Uh, Spanish GP, again, surprise, gave us a lot to talk about because we've been talking about it all day, but particularly when it comes to F1 and pop culture. So I'm here to give you everything that you need to know from this weekend. But first, I have to start with a happy belated 21st birthday to Joe, who celebrated last week and received a very special decorated driver's room, and I really hope that Dior sent him something nice. Now, a long list of celebrities that were at this race is kind of insane. Uh, you would think that it was basically Monaco all over again, but Shakira, back at another F1 race, rocking the brand new Dua Lipa and Versace collab, covered in butterflies, she looked fantastic as always. Rosalia, Nikki Nicole, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Michael Douglas at another race. They're really, really stroll family groupies, hardcore. And I mean, if I could go to multiple F1 races, I would. Then we had our DJ mix, Martin Garrett, Martin Garrix, Calvin Harris. Uh, and then we had so many footballers, soccer players, depending on where you are in the world, is what you will call them. But it was basically Footballer Central this past weekend. Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Mason Mount, who gave the Prelly Pool Award to Max. He's currently with Chelsea FC. Had a really funny interaction with Martin Brundle during the Martin Brundle's grid walk about if the footballer will be making a switch from Chelsea to Manchester United. And I know that meant a lot of things to a lot of people. Then we had a couple of other people from Chelsea FC. Ben Chilwell, Zuel Felix. And then from Liverpool, we had Trent Alexander-Arnold. Barcelona pair of Sergio Busquets and Robert Lewandowski and Real Madrid's manager, Rafa Benitez. So sorry if I missed some of your favorites, but football was definitely, soccer was definitely showing up this week on the grid. Puma was taking major advantage of the athletes that they work with, that they're partnered with, and having them all in one place. So the Puma Motorsports account featured Neymar with almost everybody. Neymar was with Joe. Neymar was with Charles and Carlos. Neymar was with Lewis. Neymar was with George. 
So he was all over the paddock. He was in all different garages. He was filming a lot of really hysterical videos of drivers imitating each other or drivers imitating Neymar. Some weird straw challenge with Joe. And Neymar even hopped into the W14 for quick seat fitting, as literally what Lewis said. And also, if you're interested, that Puma Motorsports account is currently giving away a Neymar branded and signed race suit. So if you're interested, go check that out. Really, really cool. And Pierre had a special deal with Warner Brothers this past weekend. His helmet was branded for the upcoming movie, The Flash, which actually comes out on June 16th. I'm not telling you that because it's a, this is a sponsored segment literally at all. But this was the last race before that movie is released. So who knows what happens. Maybe we'll see Pierre do any sort of brand placement before that. Maybe catch him in the Flash suit. I don't know. That's thinking big. But his helmet had a really sick design. Completely DC branded logos from Flash, Superman, and Batman, and I always appreciate any superhero call-out. And have to end this week's Gossip Grid with the Paddock Fit King, as always, because Lewis continues to impress me every single weekend with how he turns the paddock basically into a runway. His outfits were unbelievably sick this weekend. Really, really big fan of his Valentino red pattern number. I want to steal his Celine sunglasses. He had multiple custom suit pieces from Unet Benite, um, Unet Bennett, sorry, and Prada sneakers, which I also would love to steal. But his absolute show-stopping number of the entire weekend and my personal favorite was a fluorescent green matching Versace set. And gosh, is he really just putting every other driver to shame? Even when Fernando Alonso shows up in a pattern polo, Lewis is like, sit down. This is for me. That is your F1 and pop culture gossip grid this week. And I can't wait to see what I have for you next week or maybe when we get back from Canada. You really broke me when you dropped the like <laughs> transfer rumor. I was like, Nicole, where is this soccer knowledge coming from? It was a race weekend. And even though we haven't talked a ton about the race we both have some podiums of the race weekend that i think we should do i think we both have radios of the week oh yes i have i have a podium of radios and i have two honorary mentions i only have a podium so i think we should do your two honorable mentions and then p3 p3 p2 like well let's alternate yeah great okay so my two honorary mentions of a uh, whoops, sorry, I'm getting radios my... of the week, radios of the week. Cool. Okay, so for my two honorary mentions, the first one is Alonzo's tell Lance not to worry. It was. That's why it's not on the podium. It's an honorary mention because it was. An interesting moment of the week of something to discuss, and we have already discussed it at length, and that's mm -hmm. where I'll leave it. My other honorary mention, George constantly talking about, is it raining on the radio? Is anyone else reporting rain? I think it is sweat from the inside of my helmet. And then it's like, nope, sounds like it's literally just you. So I think it's sweat. Yeah, those are my honorary mentions. Just really stood out and were consistent throughout the race so yeah they made themselves well, known that leads perfectly into my p3 which is george russell mistaking sweat for rain i and it was specifically the one where he had to 
tell the team that he thinks he did that, where he yeah. asked, did anyone else report rain? And they were like, no. And he was like, ah, and then he goes into this long dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> the sweat on my, on the inside of my, of my visor. It's like, yeah, it is. I think I'd love that. Yeah. It sounds like it's yep. just you. <laughs> I'm constantly amazed that they can have these full conversations driving cars that fast. <laughs> I think about that literally every single time. Every week. All right, what's your P3? My P3 is um, the last race, uh, the last lap of the race, Max's radio. Okay, now you can bring it home within the white lines. And Yeah, and he just goes, yeah, yeah. It's like, mm. but stay inside the, the lines. Yeah, that's the stress of his engineer, where he was like, could you just go slower? And Max was essentially saying the entire race, I don't want to. That's no fun. Which does lead, again, you are transitioning very nicely into my P2 here. It's not exactly that, but it was specifically the Max radio where he was mad about the black and white flag that he got when a five-second penalty could not matter less for that man. But he still was angry at the principle of potentially getting a penalty. He could have gotten like three five-second penalties and still won, right? It was something like ridiculous. I can't remember what the final timing was, but I know it during the race when we were talking about this. It's like, you can get multiple. You'll, it, it's okay. I think he was at that point 25 seconds ahead and the Red Bull had pace in hand. Like if he really needed to speed up, he could have. I Yeah. Yep. But it did give me a good chuckle. He, yes. he cared still. Of course, of course. My P2, P2 is a post-race radio, and it's just because I'm wholesome and happy, and it was my P1, and then I just found my, my favorite radio of the entire weekend. Lewis's mega job, guys. Mega. His use of the word mega is so great. And then, of course, he goes into his long list, and I always just admire and respect how almost this like first thing out of his mouth is thanking everyone back at the factory and the team and the work that they did he even thanked like did a shout out to george for doing a mega job his words Go. Yeah. mega job mega job guys gotta keep pushing all right my p1 is the back and forth interaction between Carlos and his race engineer, where the team said that he should box because his pace is degrading. And he's like, what are you talking about? My pace is great. And the team essentially had to tell him, no, you are going too slow. Although that, that felt... <laughs> it was... It was such a fantastic back and forth, though. He's like, what are you talking about? My pace is great. And the team was like, politely like, <laughs> That's giving, like, a lot of the vibes last week from Nico. It was like, yeah, baby. And he was like, box, box, we have a puncture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your P1? My P1 is potentially my favorite radio of the season. It is post, I know, but as soon as I say it, you'll be like, yeah, this would be a Nicole favorite radio, but you'll also enjoy it because it is a post-race radio from Lance Stroll and it's 
commending him and all the work that he's doing and that next and they're like next race Canada home race something to look forward to and his response is yeah looking forward to maple syrup on my pancakes and that is a real radio that exists and I laughed so hard because <laughs> it was just so matter of fact like yeah looking forward to maple syrup on my pancakes and just Canadian boy. I I don't know how people don't like Lance Stroll. I don't get it. I really don't. <laughs> he does everything he does. Well, speaking of Lance Stroll, though, I do have my favorite one more podium that, of this weekend. So I think it's worth Please. going through, which is um, things that were said in either the press conference or the media pen that just... I don't even know what the right adjective is, but just things that I liked, like things that just made me happy all weekend. I laughed. I watched the clip over, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there were some good ones. I'm excited. Honorable mention. And it is the moment post-race where they got Nico Rosberg to do the post-race interviews. And Nico's about to say something additional to Lewis. And he just goes, thank you. Goodbye. And walks away. Nico getting cut off. There, it was that literally the cosmos aligned. I couldn't when I realized what was happening. I cannot believe we have gone through this whole episode and like haven't discussed this yet. I was it was like I was watching standing up and like staring at my screen of like what and then he was like thank you walk bye bye. Yeah. I <laughs> have rewatched it. I can't figure out what Nico was going to say, but whatever it was, Lewis identified that it wasn't going to just be the professional interview, and he said nope. Goodbye. Incredible. And that's just my honorable mention. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. So P3 is Lance after the race when he was asked about Fernando Alonso's in-race interview. And he just gave the most annoyed stare I've ever seen him give to a reporter and just said, I don't know. He's over there. Go ask him. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Iconic. YV2 is the moment in the media pen where Lance and Esteban like say hi to each other and like congratulate each other on the race. He walks over to the interviewer and the interviewer goes, what's that about? And he goes, I don't know. We're friends. Like he just, the disbelief that ran over this man's face. And he just said, I was saying hi to my friend. And I, I've watched that clip. So many times. It's incredible. What was that about? Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's just like, we're friends. Bye. Next. What, what do you want? hi. Yeah. Is this just right. the Lance podium? No. Is it all? Because okay. P1 is Lewis. Okay. So I guess it's a Lewis and Lance podium, which I just needed a Carlos and then it would be, but you know what? These are things that happened in media situations that I enjoyed this weekend. That's essentially what this podium was. Um, it was when Lewis in the post-race interview used the phrase next year. Give us the contract, announce it now. Thank you. There's a future. He said it. He said next year, even though there's no official announcement, but he said the he said the he said that. Right. And him and Toto all weekend were just like, yep, we just need to sit down and do it. But 
for my personal sanity. Do it. Can you just announce it tomorrow or the day after that? Or at least before Canada starts? I just, like, I know it's going to happen. But please, please, thank you. Hi, Lewis and Toto. My birthday is June 15th. Happens to be a Thursday. Sounds like a great media day to give me a gift and announce Mm -hmm. the contract Mm -hmm. extension. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's not my birthday, but please. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the F1 paddock, hitting every F1 garage, because there's interesting stories up and down the grid. Starting with the story with F1 this week, Bridgestone has officially applied to be the official tire provider of F1, so they are going head-to-head in their application with Pirelli's application to stay on as the tire provider. So, will there be a switch up? We know that Bridgestone has at least applied to do that. On to Red Bull, Christian Horner is very worried about Mercedes. Carlos and Charles both did a day of tire testing this week in Barcelona to help Pirelli prep for the new tires that are going to be introduced at the British GP. George Russell and Mick Schumacher also did a day each of tire testing this week in Barcelona for the same reason. I will note that it's Mick's first time in the W14. I'm realizing right now in this recording that I forgot to write out my note for Alpine. So I'm actually going to throw it to Nicole because she's probably going to remember what it was. Yeah, so Alpine this weekend, actually, they found a fan who was celebrating his birthday at the race, and they brought him in, they gave him VIP paddock passes, and, like, brought him into the garage and got to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. There's an adorable, wholesome video on their socials. Definitely go check it out. Thank you, Nicole, for coming in clutch, both with finding that yellow sector note and then saying it on the pod, because I forgot to write it out. Um... Autosport is reporting that Aston Martin is really surprised by Mercedes' pace in Barcelona this past week. Gunther Steiner was reprimanded by the FIA for criticizing the FIA. I think he hurt their feelings. But really, all he said was that the stewards should be paid for their work. Like most people should do. When you're putting in work, you you should get paid for it. So, uh, moving on... Uh, Join me in collectively mourning the end of McLaren's Triple Crown livery. It was so much better than their livery they've been running for the rest of the year. Maybe they won't get rid of it. Thank you for your your moment of silence. (laughs) Uh, Williams, remember to vote for the Williams Special Golf livery for the Singapore GP. It's currently in round two. Please vote for Heritage. Vote for Visionary. It's more fun. Heritage, heritage, heritage. (laughs) And last but not least, the Alfa Romeo F1 car was in the presentation this week that introduced Apple's new augmented reality headset. They showed the fact that you could do design meetings in augmented reality and see flow going for the car. But it was really cool to see an F1 car appear in such a big presentation. That's it. That's the grid walk for June 8th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Definitely faster than I was able to pop that bottle of champagne at the start of the episode. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure considering I, you know, I, I think I hit a gravel trap in the middle there with the Alpine note. And I hit a gravel trap literally out of fear opening the bottle of champagne. 
If you are not watching on YouTube, that is your call to go over and do that. This is your week to do it. You're really yeah. missing out on some fun. <laughs> so thank you to everyone watching on YouTube. Thank you to VoiceOver Man. Thank you, Shakira. Thank you to our four-legged executive producers. Make sure you have auto downloads turn on. Take two seconds to rate and review the pod. Those two seconds will literally make our entire year. It'll really help us out, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that really pretty purple app that matches our pretty purple hats. Take two seconds, leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know if there's something that you'd like to try out. Maybe there's a driver that you'd like to see us do some red flag for. Pretty, pretty, please let us know. Also, follow us on every social media platform, whatever you use, at Gridwalk Show for daily Gridwalks. And we'll be back every Thursday, and we sincerely hope that you join us. Today, for sure, just felt like a grid celebration and not a grid walk. As it should be. Mercedes back! Woo!